Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at the disappointment and controversy over the release of English Premier League players for this month's World Cup qualifiers. Last week, the English Premier League released a statement saying that clubs had unanimously decided not to release players. But two clubs have gone on to let players feature for red-listed Argentina, while no African players have been released. We have strong opinions from listeners on this one. I think it's not fair, because they have to come and play for their country, no matter what. That's coming shortly. Also, we hear from the Zimbabwean, who was tasked with marking Lionel Messi on Messi's debut in France. Obviously, playing against Lionel Messi, uh, it's everybody's dream, you know. Wow, and we talk too about Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester United. Well, before we get to the World Cup qualifiers, to the 2020 Paralympic Games in Tokyo, Japan, where Morocco are representing Africa in the men's five-a-side football tournament, where they got out of the group stage to the semi-finals, where they lost 1-0 to Brazil. They'll play China for the bronze medal on Saturday. So a good campaign there for Morocco. In the group stage, they lost to Argentina, then beat Thailand and drew with Spain. And a quick word about the FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup in Moscow, Russia, where Senegal finished fourth, having become the first African team ever to reach the semi-finals. Senegal lost to Japan in the semis and lost the third-place match 9-7 to Switzerland, but a really great tournament for them. So the group stage of qualifying for African teams for the 2022 FIFA World Cup is underway, with the opening two rounds of matches being played in the space of eight days. In the East African derby, Kenya drew 0-0 with Uganda. Senegal started with a 2-0 win over Togo. Sadio Mane on the score sheet. Egypt beat Angola 1-0, but without Mohamed Salah, who had to stay in Liverpool. Now, there's been some disappointment and much controversy over the release of English Premier League players. Last week, the Premier League released a statement saying that clubs had unanimously decided not to release players for international matches being played in red-list countries this month. Now, those arriving back from the UK's COVID red-list countries must spend 10 days in quarantine, missing training and missing matches. Now, the Premier League said they strongly supported the club's decision, applying to around 60 players from 19 clubs who are due to travel to 26 red-list countries this month. Uh, now, some clubs did eventually release some players. More on that later. But Egypt are without Liverpool's Mohamed Salah, Zambia without Leicester's Patson Daka and Brighton's Enoch Mwepu for their home game against Tunisia. Zimbabwe will miss Aston Villa's marvellous Nakamba. And many other players from countries including Ivory Coast, Mali and Ghana are also not allowed to travel for one or both of the games. Nigeria will miss eight players based in the UK, including Leicester's Kelechi Iheanacho and Wilfred Ndidi for the match in Cape Verde. And the clubs in the English Football League, the Championship and the lower divisions also held on to their players. Uh, FIFA and CAF both asked the UK government to grant exemptions, uh, but uh, that didn't help the situation. So last week on social media we asked, is this fair for African football? Could the Premier League or FIFA have done more? We had a huge response to this one with the comments. Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. 
Thanks, Steve. And on WhatsApp, we start with Dudu in Niger, who says, I think the EPL have their reasons, but it's preferable to look for another way that can make both sides satisfied. Maybe giving players 10 days off for quarantine when they come back is fair because Africa needs these superstars' help for the World Cup qualifiers. And we've had a record number of voice notes this week prompted by our question. And here's Alimami Fofana in the Gambia. It's not fair at all. They are trying to protect their players because these clubs are paying the huge amount of money more than what the country is paying them. Because if one of their key players for like Mohamed Salah for Liverpool, if they travel to go to represent their country, if they come back, they are going to be quarantined. Maybe during that period they are, they are under quarantine. They have a tough match, big match. And these are key players. If they don't play those matches, they are going to lose. And Della Akafia in Nigeria believes EPL clubs should be prepared to give something back to the African countries that produced their African players. I don't think it's a good idea for the European leagues to place ban on Africans to return home, to play their home teams. Because if these guys were not to develop talent from their various teams here in Africa, they wouldn't have gotten the chance to play in the European leagues. So it's not fair for them. We go to Sierra Leone now to hear from Mohamed, who shares his strong feelings about the position taken by the EPL. If they put these restrictions on these African players that are playing in the Premiership, it means the EPL does not want these African players to come and play for their countries. That is it. It's simple. And they should know that the countries these African players came from, it is their priority. That is the only way they can pay back to their countries. And it is very important. First, this is a World Cup qualifying. These are very sensitive matches, very important for these players to co- to see that they come and play for their countries. But Moses in Nigeria believes there is a bigger picture here. Even if the UK government gives some considerations, says Moses, the issue is not about African football. Rather, the bigger issue is about the safety of humans around the world. With the various understanding about COVID-19, I feel it's better to listen to health experts in this moment instead of listening to football experts or administrators. Football can only be played in good health, says Moses. And Osei Richard in Ghana agrees that the player's health must come first. I think it is not all that bad because of the COVID. That's why they have been banned in some countries or the players from going to their national team camps. So I think it is fair for everyone because we have to protect the players as well. So I think they have done massively well to protect the players from going to the red list countries. Saidu Conte in Sierra Leone reminds us that the EPL's position is not only limited to players from African countries. Not only African, according to the report. They said in the red list countries, even countries like Brazil. But Mohamed Saliu in Nigeria believes that there are sufficient medical protocols in place already to protect the players, and so players should be allowed to travel to red list countries. The club's medical department will have a cooperation with the national team's medical team to ensure proper COVID-19 protocol are followed while they are on national duties. And um, when the players are coming back, there should be a testing at the point of arrival. And if they can be quarantined 
at most two days and maybe test it again to see their result. If it is negative, let them go. So if they can marry this together, I think everything will now go away. Thank you very much. And Gerard Colley in the Gambia makes another interesting point. This conclusion saying that they should not come back and play for their countries, I think it's not fair because they have to come and play for their country no matter what. This COVID-19 is all over the world. Playing for their clubs, there are still a chance that they might pick up the COVID-19. So it's not fair, I believe, they should go and play for their countries. Juba Ashraf in South Sudan highlights the tension between managing players' health in a global pandemic and allowing them to travel to play in important World Cup qualifiers. This will not be fine. It will bring a kind of rope pulling whereby, as stated by the FIFA, that health comes first and should remain everyone's priority. Endefrata Kamanga in Malawi speaks for many when he points out what he sees as a great injustice in the EPL's decision. My decision on this issue is that the EPL is unfair. The game of football should be a fair one. And finally today, Bolong Baji in the Gambia says the EPL has concerns about COVID and CAF does too. But CAF must ensure through truthful negotiations that players can be released. It is not fair that players from red list countries have to be quarantined when privileged European players don't have to experience the same. So there you are, Steve. A lot of strong feeling this week on this issue, with the perception for many being that the EPL clubs have been unfair and that while they are protecting their own interests, the interests of African nations trying to qualify for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar have been ignored. Well, so some passionate views there. Uh, Now, we talked about this on the show last week, but the story developed further last weekend when Aston Villa and Tottenham both released players to play for Argentina, a country also on the UK's red list, with games at home and in red-listed Brazil and Bolivia. Tottenham let Christian Romero and Giovanni Lo Celso go, while Villa released Emi Martinez and Emi Buendia, but didn't release the Zimbabwean marvellous Nakamba. Well, this has caused outrage in Zimbabwe and in other affected African countries. Here's another voice note from Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone. I think um, for me it is very wrong because the other country thinking like Brazil and Argentina, they are probably allowed you know, to go and play in the friendly or the World Cup qualifying. I think it's really not fair. I think they should allow them to come to their country to represent their country and to play. Because most of the players um, in Europe have been vaccinated, I believe, not releasing them, it's very bad. So I'm appealing to the English FA to allow them to come, you know, even to other countries like the Spanish FA or the Italian FA to allow African players to come and represent their country. And then after the match, they flew back, you know, to their respective club. I think that would be nice. Thanks there to Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone. So very strong views here, Ida. Is it double standards? Uh, South America getting different treatment to Africa in a few cases? Uh, Was it maybe a case of the players fighting hard to get released to play for their country? Uh, What do you make of this? This is a very 
different situation from what we discussed last week, Steve, because the developments then made it seem like a blanket decision, you know, only for the latest to make it look very preferential. However, it does have to be said that most English Premier League clubs actually thought the decision was unanimous, only for some to strike deals elsewhere. So it does seem like a case of a few rogue clubs, Steve. And it is important to get the context, and a lot of this, if not all, was actually started or instigated at least by the whole Argentina-Brazil rivalry. Now, reports are that Brazil coach Tite had reportedly already selected nine replacements for the players who couldn't make it from England, only to hear that Argentina had their players released from the EPL club. So, At least on the surface, this does look like Spurs and Villa went rogue. But, you know, just what sort of precedent does this set? I mean, we saw Romero posting a picture on social media of the four of them smiling on a private plane, you know, on the way to South America. Something that, look, I personally thought was unnecessary, given the times. And the domino effect as well, because many countries now justifiably feel very hard done by this recent turn of events, many of those countries being African countries, Steve. And uh, FIFA, who have been very quiet on this, by the way, may just impose sanctions on the players not released, including a five-day ban that would see them miss the first league game after the break. Now, it would be a case of misplaced punishment, at least if you ask me, but... Maybe the EPL clubs do feel it might be the less of two evils. As for the Premier League's Red List Pact, as it's known, well, it's been plunged into total chaos, Steve, because the players you mentioned will actually feature in two World Cup qualifiers in Venezuela and Brazil, and at this rate, maybe even Colombia, all on the Red List. Yes, so many questions on this. And let's finish off with a voice note from Lamine Fadera in the Gambia, who says it all comes down to the club versus country argument. Perhaps um, some of these clubs are really selfish that they wouldn't allow their players to come and represent their nation. But I think nationality comes first before club. And it's very important that they put all these things into perspective. FIFA and CAF, they have to intervene because I think, especially the world governing body, should address this issue because you know everybody has the right to represent your country irrespective of either your club is paying your wages or so but i think it's so unfair for countries like africa um, where most of these players rely on their foreign-based players to help them uh, in a qualification round or even major competition so i think it's so unfair really yeah thanks for that that's alamine fadera a listener in the gambia This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League, lots on the Ronaldo story, and what we can expect from the legend at Manchester United. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, one very interesting transfer in this just-ended window is South Africa's Percy Tao, moving from Brighton in the English Premier League to join record 10-time African champions Al-Athli of Egypt. 
Now Tao didn't get much of a chance at Brighton. He'll be reunited with coach Pizzo Mosimane. They won the CAF Champions League in 2016 with South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns. Uh, now Tao said on social media, "What's the point of me sitting when I'm not playing? Everybody wants to see me play. I want to play. My family wants to see me play." Uh, quite a statement for Al Ahly to sign a player from the English Premier League, Ida. Absolutely, Steve. I mean, it was all the rave on social media for a while, and for good reason, you know. And I think that it also speaks to the relationship that Pizzo forms with his players, and this is something that cuts across the board. Of course, look, you can never be everyone's favorite, but Pizzo's father-figure relationship with many of his players, from the Sundowns in South Africa to Al Ali in Cairo. Is something that's often been talked about, you know. But back to the move. Well,、uh, many people have had their thoughts, <laughs> Steve, encouraging Tao to stay in England and fight for his place. But look, he's been there for more than three years with nothing forthcoming on the pitch, frankly. And to add on to that, Brighton have had so many of their own issues, you know, fighting for relegation and whatnot. And we could see when Tao went on loan to Anderlecht. You know, he started in twelve games out of a possible nineteen, and he could probably have started more, but was injured. Meaning that, look, he still got it. You know, so why not just explore it at a club where he can actually get some game time? And it's pretty much the same thing he said while addressing the criticism. And look, it's not like Al Ali is any run-of-the-mill club. You know, we're talking a club that plays in the FIFA Club World Cup. You know, against some of the world's biggest teams. You know, we're talking the Bayern Munichs of this world. That, ironically, Steve, if you think about, Brighton would probably never get the opportunity to play against. You know. Well, the deal is said to be worth around three million euros, making Tao technically Al Ali's most valuable player. It's a three-year deal. Tao is twenty-seven, so I mean, let's see how it goes. Yeah, sure, it could be a fruitful time for Percy Tao at Al Ahly.、Uh, thanks, Ida. Next, here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Let's talk Messi and Ronaldo.、Uh, Lionel Messi made his debut for Paris Saint Germain last weekend in a French League One game against Reims, coming on as a substitute in the 66th minute. And the man tasked by Rans to keep tabs on Messi was Zimbabwean international Marshal Munetsi, who did a pretty good job with some good physical work. Munetsi spoke to us about the experience when he arrived here in Harare for the World Cup qualifiers. Obviously, playing against Lionel Messi,、uh, it's everybody's dream, you know. He's、uh, the, I think, for me, in my opinion, the greatest player I've ever seen play.、Uh, It was an amazing feeling, you know, being on the same pitch with him, and also not only him. Paris Saint Germain is a big club、uh, with some top players, so it was a difficult match for us. But it's also a learning curve, you know, that we can learn and progress as we are still young players growing. So we always try our best, you know, as a team to to try and stay in the championship, try and fight for for the Europa places, you know, the Champions League places. So it's not always easy, especially when you play teams like Lyon. Also, they are a top team, they have top players. So、uh, it's always an important、uh, phase for us to learn as players and grow. Yes, Marshal Manetti was also up against Neymar and Kylian Mbappe in that game, and many other Africans will get the chance to face Lionel Messi this season in France. 
Uh, so Manetti saying there that he thinks Messi is the goat, uh, the greatest of all time. Let's talk about his rival Cristiano Ronaldo, who's back at Manchester United in the biggest move of the transfer window. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week, what do you think Ronaldo will deliver at Manchester United at the age of 36? What can he achieve over the next two seasons? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What will Ronaldo deliver at Manchester United? Well, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. What do you think, Stuart? Well, very curious, because last Friday the headlines in my newspaper were that Cristiano Ronaldo was signing for Manchester City. Having failed to secure Harry Kane, City had gone for Ronaldo. But we now know that that was all part of a cunning bluff by the player's agent, George Mendes, to motivate Manchester United to take action to stop their former player allegedly joining the City rivals. In addition to the formal channels, we understand that Ronaldo's former manager at Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson, contacted the player directly, as did former teammate Rio Ferdinand, and the current Manchester United midfield player and fellow Portuguese, Bruno Fernandes, and the multi-pronged strategy got their man. But another important fact which has emerged is that when Allegri was reappointed manager of Juventus, he made clear that Ronaldo did not figure in his plans, and what is more, that he wanted the club's highest earner off the wage bill. From that point on, there were very few clubs in Europe in a position to meet Ronaldo's salary demands, something in excess of $500,000 a week. And a big question is why should anyone pay $500,000 a week to a player who is frankly nearer his 37th birthday than his 36th? The answer is because he's a legend and a proven goalscorer. He's won the Ballon d'Or, the best player in the world, five times. He spent six seasons at Manchester United, 2003-9, helping the club to win the Premier League three times, the Champions League once, as well as three domestic cups. In those six years at Manchester United, he scored 84 league goals in 196 games for Manchester United. And then, in nine seasons at Real Madrid, he scored 311 league goals in more than a goal per game. He was already 33 when he went to Juventus, and he still scored 81 goals in three seasons. Now, the statistics, you can just go on and on. He scored 134 goals in the Champions League. He scored three goals in a match for Real Madrid 44 times. He's one of only seven players in the Premier League to have scored 30 goals in a season. And just this week, Portugal were losing to Ireland in a World Cup qualifier after 88 minutes. Enter Ronaldo. He equalised and then scored the winner in stoppage time. And that was his 111th international goal more than anyone else. As I said, in his first spell at Manchester United, he scored 84 league goals, but that was without being an out-and-out striker, normally playing on the right wing. But we understand that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, recognising that Ronaldo can no longer run up and down the wing the way he did as a teenager or in his early 20s at Old Trafford, intends to play him down the middle. One analysis I read of Ronaldo's goals 
is that he mainly scores against middle-of-the-table or bottom-half teams rather than top-six clubs. And Manchester United last season finished 12 points behind City, but they dropped more than 20 points in games you would have expected them to win. And I think the hope is that Ronaldo's goals will turn games like the recent one-all draw at Southampton into a win. We understand that Ronaldo is costing United something like $27 million, but they've just sold Dan James to Leeds for $34 million, so that more than finances the deal. It certainly is an exciting prospect having Ronaldo back in the Premier League. Ah, yes, indeed it is. Uh, And Stuart Tottenham, top of the table after three games and an exciting 1-1 draw between Liverpool and Chelsea last weekend. Yeah, well, last week we previewed the two potential top-of-the-table clashes, Manchester City against Arsenal and Liverpool-Chelsea, and the games did not disappoint in any respect. And in both games, one of the teams finished with ten players. Chelsea took the lead at Liverpool before Rhys James was given a red card for handball, allowing Mo Salah to equalise in the penalty spot. But the Chelsea's ten men managed to hold on for a draw, playing the entire second half a man down, shows that they are certainly a force to be reckoned with. Manchester City beat Arsenal 5-0. While Arsenal can point out that they played for 50 minutes with 10 men after Granit Xhaka was sent off for a reckless two-footed tackle, the reality is that Arsenal were already 2-0 down at that stage. But the question of red cards is certainly something that Mikel Arteta needs to address. This was Arsenal's 10th Premier League red card since Arteta became manager in December 2019. That's four more than any other Premier League club. It was also Jekka's fourth red card in five seasons. It's not been a good week for him. First the red card, and now he's isolating, having tested positive for covid To make matters worse, while Arsenal are bottom of the league table with three defeats, no goals scored and nine conceded, their North London rivals Tottenham are top of the table with three wins out of three. Great start for Tottenham. Can they keep it going is the big question. And on the subject of Manchester City, confusing reports about Pep Guardiola's future. He was reported as saying that he would leave Manchester City in 2023 only for the statement to be denied later. Not sure what's going on there, Steve. Yeah, right, we'll keep on following that one then. And uh, really tough for Arsenal fans, but I know that many are still saying they believe that better times will come eventually. And uh, English Premier League referees have been told to have a higher threshold for fouls this season, meaning that some tackles that would have got a yellow card last season are now being allowed. And the Paul Pogba tackle on Ruben Neves just before United scored against Wolves last weekend was a controversial one, Stuart. Yeah, just before I talk specifically about Pogba, we have mentioned this lighter touch by referees and the lack of VAR interventions to enable the game to flow and making it better to watch. But not everyone seems to agree with this, because first of all, Jurgen Klopp and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer were both critical of referees. When Klopp's Liverpool beat Burnley, Klopp was so unhappy with some of Burnley's tackles that he said, well, if you like this sort of thing, you should watch wrestling, not football. You saw the challenges? It's like going back 10 or 15 years. Klopp then said, the message is to let the game flow, but nobody knows what that means. But, interestingly,
interestingly, in that game, referee Mike Dean awarded 12 free kicks against Burnley, but showed no yellow cards. But the Burnley manager, Sean Dyke, was very quick to reject Klopp's criticism. And it's an interesting fact that Burnley are in a sequence of 97 games since they last had a player sent off. Ali Gunnar Solskjaer was equally incensed when Southampton scored after Bruno Fernandes had been dispossessed. And Solskjaer had his own sporting analogy. If Klopp thought it was wrestling, Solskjaer said that the Premier League had gone from basketball to rugby. But the consensus among the pundits, incidentally, was that the Southampton goal came when Fernandes, a great touch player, was simply muscled out. No foul. But then the one you mentioned... Manchester United beat Wolves 1-0 in their last game before the international break, and Greenwood's goal came after Pogba won the ball with a lunging tackle. Not sure whether he made contact or not, but I don't think that's the point. That would almost certainly have been a foul last season, but the referee allowed it to go, and Wolves were annoyed about that one. My own view is that the referees are applying laws and using VAR in a good way, but it will take a bit of time for everyone to adjust to it. And I think that managers need to stop protesting about every decision that goes against them while accepting everything going in their favour. But perhaps that's an unrealistic wish. Yes, yeah, sure, there'll always be a difference of opinion on this one. So no English Premier League this weekend as is an international break. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ash Tikiwa in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.